Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us once again for another episode of A Little Off Topic, one agency's water cooler chat on digital marketing, business, and all the things that get in the way, uh, presented by Speak Creative. Expectations and equivocation is both the title of today's show, as well as two very, very high-value Scrabble words, which is, uh, quite frankly, a game that I am terrible at. Uh, But nevertheless, my name is David Caffey. Uh, The title in my email signature is Digital Marketing Manager, and I'll be your host for today's conversation centered on expectations, uh, both at work and in your personal life and uh, everywhere else in between. Joining me today is a trio of VPs at Speak. Uh, Matt Roberts is our VP of Marketing and Sales. Kendra Svensson is VP of Client Partnerships. And uh, last but not least, Matt Irvin joins us, who is VP of Creative Services. From setting expectations and meeting expectations for yourself and others to adapting and resetting your expectations during difficult times, uh, such as a global pandemic, uh, we have covered it all and more today. This led uh, to a little bit of a rant from yours truly about the power of the word should and the situations in which to avoid it. Uh, Personally, I think you could probably make the argument for should to be completely stricken from the English language, uh, but you'll hear more on that later on. Uh, Finally, as a follow-up to our previous episode about overused buzzwords, phrases, and cliches, we talked about some of our personal favorite quotes from pop culture uh, that we have found ourselves using maybe uh, too frequently ourselves, but that is also up for debate. Uh, Once again, thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today, and I hope you enjoy this edition of A Little Off Topic. All right, welcome back. Uh, joining me again is a panel of experts, uh, starting with Kendra. Kendra, how are you today? I'm good. Hello, hello. I am also joined by the two Matts, Matt Roberts. How's it going? Hello. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. And finally, uh, the person that brought this topic to our attention today, uh, Matt Irvin. How are you, Matt? Hey, I'm doing good. Also feel like I'm rounding out the looser end of the expert uh, definition there. So glad, glad know, to be included. I think the, the rest of us would make the argument that you are the, the expert of all experts, but we can, we can save that for a later debate. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the topic of today's uh, conversation, expectations. I know I think right before we were hit the record button today, uh, we were kind of talking about how that is a broad kind of concept. But um, in our world, expectations really rely on that our, as professional services, that client and service provider relationship and uh, not only setting expectations for delivery, but setting expectations for how our team operates. Uh, and like I said, Matt, I think you're the one that brought this uh, topic to our attention. So um, what are your thoughts on uh, setting expectations, how to deal with them, uh, and how to uh, execute them? Yeah, well, I don't know if you noticed what I did right there at the first when I made my comment about uh, rounding out the lower, the looser end of the expert definition. Uh, I was trying to set your expectation low so that I could then Oh, you got, oh man. Yeah, but that's not really what I was doing. Um, but it could, that's a tactic. No, expectations are a big deal, right? They, they, uh, they affect us individually. They affect uh, how other people interact with you. Um, they're, they're something that you really have to learn uh, how to manage. And you have to, a very key part of, of emotional intelligence is really understanding your expectations and how they make you react. Um, but then you can kind of transmit or transfer that knowledge or that uh, understanding of how you react to your own expectations to um, how others react from the expectations they have or even uh, potentially try to, you know, 
dig into what you know about somebody and, and figure out uh, what their expectations may be. Um, and so really, really knowing those things and figuring out how to, how to work with them, how to use them um, uh, when they're beneficial or how to uh, kind of curb them when they're, when they're going to be detrimental is, uh, it's kind of a skill. Um, some people are really good at it naturally. And uh, for some people, it, it's one of those things that you, you have to learn <laughs> the hard way. Um, which I, I think I fall into that category. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that in its simplest form, if you take any source of conflict and you really drill down into why there's conflict, it's unmet expectations. I mean, that's personal, that's work, that's anywhere. I think that if there's some kind of um, expectation not met, then, you know, tempers can fly or just uh, thoughts change around a topic. And I think really it comes down to what were the expectations? Were they met? Were they communicated effectively? That seems to be the answer in a lot of cases. Yeah. And I mean, I think not to be pedantic, but uh, there's, there's the idea of like unmet expectations. And then there's just the idea of like mismatched uh, expectations. And, and maybe those are, those are, that's splitting hairs to try to make a difference there. But like, um, you know, that, that can be one of those things where everybody feels like they're moving in the same direction, but uh, you know, you get to a point where you realize that, Oh, when you said this, you meant that, and you've got to, you've got to recalibrate. Um, And and that's why clarity matters. I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're splitting hairs at all um, because the reaction to, an unmet expectation is going to be some sort of disappointment. Um, oh man, I'm bummed out. I really was hoping I would get that, or I was hoping you were going to do this, but you're not. Um, a mismatched expectation, the reaction is is often going to be a little bit more violent, um, or not violent, but a little more explosive. Like that's when you get mad. That's when you get angry. Um, I think about the times that I've been the most angry dealing with people uh, as a customer in the service industry, and it's usually when my expectations um, were were when what I received was contrary to what uh, my expectation was, especially when they set my expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you believe you, de- not deserve, but what you believe you're going to be provided when that's not met. That's where right, right. all the frustration comes in. Right, yeah, I, I have ordered a steak and I want it to be cooked medium rare and it comes out as a piece of beef jerky, right? I mean, that doesn't set me off in a restaurant, but that's the, that's what I mean. Like that's the, I expected this really great steak that I'm going to pay 40 bucks for, uh, which now, you know, 40 bucks is an expensive meal to me. Um, I'm going to pay 40 bucks for, and then uh, it comes out and it's, it's not something I want. So watch out for you with steak knives. I don't know about the knives, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta do the beef right. So is this is this really just an opportunity for us to talk about how that one time you got an overdone steak? It's happened way more than that. But no, this that's not it. <laughs> no, but so like looking at it with um uh, with regard to like how we deal with clients and the the services we provide. So um you know, we Matt during the sales process, you try to set people's expectations and set them high. Um that we're going to do a great job for somebody, we're going to provide a website that makes their business better, that they can use well, that uh, helps them um, meet their goals, that produces an ROI that is, you know, that has an equivalent value to what they paid for it or better. Um, and then you hand it off to, to my team and it's, it's everybody on my team's job to try to, to try to fulfill those expectations. 
And um, the places where we see that uh, the client goes back to the sales rep and says, hey, this isn't what we talked about, or hey, I was expecting this and didn't get that. Like that's the where when we get there, the project has been off the rails for a while and we just didn't know it um, or we didn't see it coming. Um, and so like part of the sales process is, is setting expectations um, for the client, but then also you guys have to turn around and set the expectations for the delivery team, the, the team who's got to put everything together and, and walk them through the process uh, so that we know what we're, what we're doing and what, what they're expecting. Like how, how, how do we succeed? We meet their expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And, you know, I actually was having a conversation with our, uh, some folks on the sales side. Um, gosh, I guess it was last week. Uh, we were talking about, uh, we were talking through some training. Um, and one of the things that we were, we were talking about is how the ex, the, the way that we behave. Um, so you were talking earlier about kind of the, the emotional intelligence of expectations. Um, but just uh, trying to illustrate to our team that the way that we behave, uh, even sets an expectation of how people uh, will engage with us over time. So, uh, maybe just to put some, some like specifics to it. Um, you know, we're, we're a company that, that really tends to value work-life balance. Uh, we, we, we put pretty good guardrails on our team to say, Hey, look, you know, when you're, when you're, we're here during working hours, like we expect everybody to kind of dig in, get the work done, um, to serve our clients well, to treat each other well. And, and that means that we all work hard and that we're working to our clients' purposes. Uh, but, you know, when the proverbial bell rings at the end of the day, um, everybody goes home and there's very little expectation that people, you know, uh, have to, you know, pull an all-nighter or come in on a weekend uh, to get a project across the finish line. That's just culturally, that's not who we are. Um, so when, as a sales team, we're interacting with a client or a prospective client, um, we, it's our responsibility to kind of reinforce those things, not just to say, hey, you know, we're here during work hours, feel free to call us, we'd love to talk with you. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we go home, but to also show that, um, so that when we have somebody email us on the weekend that says, hey, could we get this one little thing changed uh, on a contract or, you know, could you answer this question for me? Um, those types of things that we have the discipline to know uh, or at least think about whether our response kind of on a Saturday or late at night, you know, whatever, um, sets a different expectation for uh, that client about how we communicate and how available we are. Um, and we don't want to set our team up who's going to have to work with this client for failure because they, you know, were able to get me at all hours um, before they started engaging with our team. Um, you know, what does the, the differential feel like if they have that relationship with me and then they get into our production, working with our production team, does that create a bad expectation? So it's not even just, um, you know, making sure that we've got the right expectations around budget and process and deliverables and timeline and kind of all the great things that we're going to do but it's even just um, what does our, what does our behavior uh, create as far as expectations? And, and we want to be very professional. We want to be approachable. We want to be easy to work with, but we also want to protect our team. And so that means that we need to behave in a certain way, um, even in the sales process. Uh, so yeah. yeah, expectations are things that we're thinking about all the time. The, the PR 
slash marketing girl in me really liked the part where you said about like, we tell them why, like we're setting expectation that we do have the work-life balance and here's what that means and why, because it's our value. Um, I'm always about educating on the why and not just giving a sharp answer and that's that because it's not that we're not available. It's because we value time at home with our families. So right. I think that that's when right. you're setting an expectation and educating along with that, then you're kind of cementing that expectation or, you know, ha letting them kind of meet you there because, right. oh, that that's a great value. So sure, I understand that. Yeah. Um, I love that education piece. Well, and you can take it a, piece, a, a step farther too and say, um, and the reason that we do that is because we find that people who value uh, their time outside of work um, are more balanced, they're easier to deal with, um, they're happier. Uh, we find that they stay longer with us and that means that we get to provide better service because we have less turnover. Yeah, um, that's right. what I, one thing I was going to add to what you said though, Matt, um, is that it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, what you're talking about, we present to clients that we value work-life balance and you know, here's why. Um, the other side of it is the expectations that we create with our, our team. Um, so the people who work uh, on the team that I get to manage, um, we have said to them, hey, if you come work here, we want you to spend time outside of work. We don't want you working after hours. We don't want you doing the stuff that burns everybody out. And mm -hmm. so we've set that expectation. And in the instances where we need somebody to do that, um, for whatever reason, uh, we are not meeting that expectation. And so uh, there's a, as leadership, there's a, um, a, a big burden that I, I like, I feel it really personally, really heavily actually um, to, to make sure that we find a way that when we have to break that expectation, that we kind of give uh, a remedy to it, that we can say, okay, look, I, you've got to work on Saturday. I hate it. Um, you know, uh, but we've got to do this. And if you'll, if you'll do that, then, you know, you can take the equivalent uh, amount of time off when the project's over and, you know, we won't count it against any of your allotments of whatever time you get. Um, I think that helps. Um, I will say that one of the things I've learned personally is uh, when you have somebody like that and you've had to ask them to do that, um, being there with them goes a very, very long way. Um, and that's whether your Slack light's green and you're sitting at your computer and, chatting them every now and then, or whether you actually come into the office and sit next to them. Um, yeah, those kinds of I think things that's right. Drive, build good teams and build great, uh, great relationships. Well, at that yeah. point, you're not unmeeting an expectation. You're just kind of pushing past it with the, the knowledge that you'll get back to it. Right. Like I'm here yeah. with you. We're going to dig in, but we'll come out of this. I, I just was going to add, I, I think that, you know, the, the other piece of that that's really valuable is those are, those are, those instances are few and far between. And so when they happen, um, I think everybody is invited into the idea that, um, Hey, this is really important. We're, you know, this is not a thing we do all the time. Um, so hopefully, you know, you can see me right, right alongside you. You can see that this is important. And like you said, Matt, we've got kind of remedies in place to help you feel, get some more balance, um, down the line, but we just got to be in crunch time right now. Um, and I think, I think what you said of, of being able to say, Hey, I'm right here with you, um, while we work through this, uh, makes a big difference as well. Yeah. So a lot of the kind of 
responses I've heard from you guys and seem to be informed and educated or, or rooted in uh, our experiences uh, before the last two or three months, if that makes sense. Um, I think expectations of uh, our clients, of each other, the way we work, our schedule is completely kind of thrown off the rails, obviously, with the pandemic. Um, I know it's kind of a, an evolving situation for like all aspects of our lives, but um, how do you feel that setting expectations of both clients, uh, the work we do and of each other has changed? And where's that middle ground between, okay, we're in crisis mode. Uh, let's, you know, do everything we can go full throttle versus like, let's have some leniency and, and slow down a little bit. Where do you guys feel that that middle ground is based on your experiences so far? I mean, personally, I feel like the slowdown is something that we have to acknowledge. It's, you know, to zoom right past it and expect everyone to be at 110% is not realistic. Uh, but there is a sense of we've got to dig in and serve well. I think it just goes back to values and what you value. So we know that if we can dig in for clients now and be a good partner to them, that down the road, that's going to be better for us. So there is a little bit of a, hey, we've got to dig in. But at the same time, if you need to step away, we'll figure it out. So I, I don't know. I'm conflicted there because I see the need to slow down, but also would argue that now is not the time to slow down on services or pushing hard. So when you, when you're, when you're talking about uh, our need to slow down, just to clarify, you're talking about kind of our team members and, and kind of the folks on, on the teams that we manage is just the kind of the tension of managing kind of our, our own internal expectations there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, and clients too, it's just, we know everyone's working from home. If I have to step away to help a child through a piece of schoolwork or to cook waffle or whatever it might be, I think that there's a little bit of sanity that has to, uh, grace needs to be given there just so we can maintain a team that still feels connected to one another. And so knowing that, okay, maybe we're not hundred percent at our computer, but we're getting work done when we are there and we're digging in when we are there and making the best of it. I think that's the expectation that um, we're trying to set. I think that that's probably the same that we're seeing across all of our clients or industry peers too, is just uh, yeah. dig in as hard as you can when you can, but if you need to step away, that's okay too. Yeah. It, the more we talk about expectations, the more that um, it, to me, in my mind, it becomes almost a conversation about values. Um, because, you know, when we talk about kind of work-life balance and that being very important to us. It's not work-life balance for the sake of work-life balance. It's that we value our team members um, and kind of all of our values really, really kind of point to um, trying to take care of each other and, and, and really caring for, for folks who work here. And so of course, you know, if you, if that's kind of the underlying value of work-life balance, when something like a pandemic comes along, you know, our, our value is making sure that our people can um, be with their families, that they can enjoy the life that they have. Well, then that means that the, uh, the normal, rhythm and expectation of, okay, we're here from the, you know, during business hours, this is what that looks like. Well, the value is, you know, giving our, 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 our people a way to honor and, and spend time with their families. Well then, yeah, that's, that's going to mean that 
during a pandemic, uh, you've got to make that work for your family and we'll fit the, we'll fit the work in around the margins. And we really do try to value the folks who, uh, who, who are here um, and working alongside us. We have those, we have those uh, values in place though, because they like this, values and expectations go hand in hand. Um, uh, but we have those in place uh, because we have a, 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 an outcome that we're trying to achieve. And in this case, at least for me, um, the outcome I'm trying to achieve with my team is to understand that like when you come to work, you're bringing everything to work with you, right? So it's like if you, your, your resume is kind of your work personality and your, your diary is kind of your personal personality, then uh, are, those come with you. Like you don't just leave yourself at home. Um, you, you, if you have a fight with your spouse in the morning, you come to work, you're disheveled mentally. Um, and so the idea is that if we can provide good boundaries and good, um, good policies for people to work within, then we can help them or empower them to reduce their overall stress load in their life. And so if I can tell you, hey, don't be stressed about needing some time to deal with your kids, then like right there, I've said the part like work can add a bunch of stress to you, but I've told you, you have a way to deal with that. Um, that's mm -hmm. like, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, if, you know, push comes to shove and we do need to go past the expectation we set, and maybe we failed to meet it at some point, I think that especially in the pandemic, uh, coming up with a plan of how we're going to get back on track has been so important. I mean, clients or not, uh, you know, in or out of a pandemic, I just think that there are times where you're not going to meet expectations, but how you recover is how you reset that trajectory. And sometimes you can do it really badly and hopefully you don't, but I think it's more about um, just communicating the plan afterwards. So, hey, I know you have to take care of your kids. This client meeting is really important. What can we do to make the best of both worlds? Well, that's it though, right? Like when you screw up, the, the, the magic question is, uh, I'm very sorry that you feel that way. What can I do to make it better? Like mm -hmm. that's the magic question. It has never failed um, because you're putting the burden back on them. Yeah, and, and I think the the thing that the question gets to is um, it invites uh, it invites um, the verbalization of expectations that haven't been met. So it, it, it engages your mind; it makes you think. Yeah, and so and that's and that's the thing, right? When when you have mismatched or unmet expectations, um, in a lot of cases, especially in a in in you know uh, a service business uh like what we have um you know asking the question uh lets us see kind of what what the expectations were that we just didn't know or or weren't clarified or maybe there was something that was said in the sales process that got misunderstood or or you know that means something in a different context to different people and and like yeah. they've just kind of been holding on to an idea or or uh, uh an expectation of performance that we've missed the entire time because it, back in the sales process, you know, me or somebody on my team, you know, uh, just didn't get clarity very early on and, and it's easy to solve, but you need, you need to know what's in that, that person's head to know exactly how we can adjust and then, and then meet expectations moving forward. Um, you know, the other thing that's just super important related to meeting expectations in our industry is just, uh, super frequent and transparent conversations. And I think that's the thing that, um, 
you know, diffuses a lot of, of, you know, issues is, is if we're having very open conversations all along the way, there's not really an opportunity for somebody to just come out of left field and say, um, Hey, why, why hasn't this happened? Um, and it's a complete surprise to us. Yeah. Um, because you know, we're, we're showing performance all along the way. We're inviting feedback. We're inviting, uh, you know, uh, additional clarity. And then, you know, we're circling back and doing that on a regular basis. Uh, so Kendra, earlier you uh, mentioned uh, the word should, and I think that was part of the reason we came to this topic today was uh, a little rant I had, like, I think it was after we finished uh, yeah. recording the last one about the word should. Um, I think the last time we talked about language, and that kind of came up to me as a pet peeve of people saying, uh, when you send an email and say, oh, this should be done now, uh, you know, uh, or this should work. I, I feel like you're hiding behind the fact that uh, it might not work. So I would say my, my theory was always, uh, you know, if you're going to, you know, do something like that, just eliminate the possibility that something's not going to happen and just not use the word should and be affirmative. Um, I think in the context of work, I think that's kind of in line with setting expectations and, and, high, and you know, making sure that, you know, there's always that chance it's not going to happen and that sort of thing. But I think your personal life too, the word should has a kind of a, a similar but different weight um, I think we use should a lot to set expectations for ourselves. Um, like, for example, I have a lot of free time right now. I should be doing something productive, um, but I'm not. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I think, in my opinion, in the way I see it, the should is like this outside force that you're creating for yourself that is like putting this weight on you that you need to be doing this when nobody's telling you um, to do this specific thing or be like this. You should do this. You shouldn't do this. Um, so I hate the word should again, I think we're every, I guess we're every, every segment of this podcast at this point is going to be word hatred. So today's word I hate is should, uh, what do you guys think about not only using the word should like that in that personal context, but just setting expectations for yourself in general. It's definitely hiding behind something. I had never really thought that until you said it. And I've probably stopped myself from saying it a couple of times. Uh, I agree. I think that it, it gives you a way out. And that is not being as good at setting expectations as you should be. Um, or oh, come on. <laughs> it came out. It was natural. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it is definitely a way of covering yourself. I mean, so, you know, doing what we do, there are invitations to equivocate all the time. Um, because, uh, you know, the realm of possibilities, uh, with, with anything digital is, yeah, it's, it's within the realm of possibility to do this thing that you've asked for or to, you know, so yes, it, it should work. <laughs> We've built it to work. Or sometimes uh, I'll get a client, uh, who'll ask me, can, you know, uh, can you guys, you know, solve this problem for me with, uh, with some new piece of software development and the, the, I guess the sales equivalent of should is could. Um, and you know, I'll say, yeah, it could, um, no, it's not, but it, you know, it's important to know when you're equivocating and then to, to, to tell somebody why. So in a sales context, you know, I'm talking to somebody and, and, you know, there's a, there's a question of, can this do that? Um, and so, you know, if I'm coming with a could, 
uh, I need to immediately follow with, you know, here are all the things that you need to be thinking about and budget, frankly, is almost always the, the limiting factor. Like, yeah, we could make this piece of software do something for you, uh, do this really specific thing for you. Um, but if you want us to do that, you also need to be thinking about this in terms of budget and this in terms of timeline. And so I need to come, I need to, as soon as I equivocate, I need to immediately come back and kind of give some understanding or some guardrails on um, kind of uh, what are the parameters for, for you to understand how we could move forward. And, you know, you then the burden is, is on you to kind of say, okay, what's most important to me? Do I need for this to be a, a lower budget project or do I need for this to do exactly what, what I just described? Thing that I always go back to is like when it's a very simple kind of straightforward task, and a lot of times in our world, it's like just changing a line of text or an image on a website it can be that simple. I think when, when using should in that context of like, okay, this should be changed now. Like it's, it's a one sentence change or an image change. That's really where that's, that, it gets me there. I think, there yeah. I, think, I think your example is like very, very valid of like, there are times where it's like, there's qualifiers of like setting up your answer to, to give them an understanding of like, this is the situation, but these things could happen as well. So I think I, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but to take it a step further, if you test it or you, you take it to the finish line, you don't have to say should. Exactly. So exactly. I verified that the change uh, has been made instead of it That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Because if, if somebody asks me to fix something for them and I fix it, I often respond with, okay, this should be done because I know they may not have cleared their cash. They may have a stuck cookie. There may be something else wrong. And instead of just saying this is done and then having them come back and say, oh, no, it's not. Um, <sighs> you know, that's, that's, where I do that most frequently. And I, I completely agree that it is laziness on my part to not say, I made the change. I pushed it to the server. I verified that it looks good on my side. Would you please verify that it looks good on your side? That is a much clearer communication. Um, and and send the screenshot. Yeah, that's right. Include the URL when you send the screenshot, please. <laughs> Always. So do we want to shift this conversation now to uh, a Freudian diagnosis of David's psychological use of the word should yes, feeling please. like he, sh he should be doing something productive with all this free time. Cause obviously, you know, when we talk about, I don't know, I, when we talk about using should in our own lives uh, to reflect things that we feel like we, uh, should be doing or should be accomplishing or where we should be in life or, or whatever the dad that I should be should is a really, uh, can be, uh, a really, um, dangerous word for us to embrace of like what we, uh, what we try to accomplish with our lives, um, of, of kind of constantly feeling like there's some expectation that we're not meeting, you know, what, what expectation is that? Where is it coming from? I mean, I feel like there's right. probably, you know, we're, we're rounding into a, a path of conversation that probably we're not anywhere close to experts in, but. Uh, oh man, I could talk about how I'm not the dad I should be all day. Like, <laughs> that's easy. Well, you're right. This does get a little deep way quicker than probably we should dive into because we're not certified therapists. Um, but I think that it's that, things will be great if only I get to this level. So I should have mastered, mine is uh, the moonwalk. Um, <laughs> that's my quarantine activity. You're about but 20 we, years late for that. But it goes on a much bigger scale. So I, I mean, think that- 40, but now. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. 
Uh, no, if I have mastered this or if I'm great at this, if I am a great dad, that means I've done all of these things and XYZ will be better. Like we, the expectations we're setting are often very, very lofty and not realistic, but that's what leads to that feeling of guilt, uh, you know, of unmet expectations. It gets, it gets deep fast, um, which, yeah. which I think is okay. Uh, but to just kind of talk about it a little bit, when, when you say I'm not the dad I should be, it implies that there's a standard that um, mm -hmm. you hold of what a great dad is. Mm -hmm. And then what you're not doing right there, it's again, the lazy thing. What you're not doing right there is you're not saying, um, this is the standard. These are the things that are in the standard. These are the places that I don't meet the standard. And then evaluating, do you really want to meet the standard? Or are you unwilling to or unable to? And so and then are things really that great if the standard is met, is that really going to change anything? Yeah, well that's this is a completely different question. But yeah, it's it's all part of it. It's it's you know, what is to what degree of effort am I willing to go to meet this standard? And if I really, really truly believe that that standard is where I need to be and I'm not there, then it's because I'm unwilling to or unable to or you know, there's, there's other reasons that you haven't gotten there. And you're just saying, well, I, you know, I should be doing that, but I'm not. And it's, it's really, you're just kind of kicking the can down the road. You're just kind of saying, yeah, I'm just going to gloss over this real fast because, you know, it's, everybody else thinks it's important, but it's really not all that important because otherwise I'd be doing it. Mm -hmm. right, so with all these standards, are you saying that I should get Six Sigma certified as a dad? Yeah, uh, black belt, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm black working on my, my play hard uh, function of the certification right now. <laughs> Handshakefulness is next. <laughs> so either way, I think uh, if we could summarize it anyway, I think should is way more dangerous when it's in your head than it is when it's in an email. I think mm. the email part of it is like, it's, it's, it's a pet peeve, but when it's like, when you're telling yourself should, um, that's when you're doing some real damage. So, so last time uh, we did our little podcast here, uh, we closed on some cliches that we did not like, some phrases like that. Uh, and that led us in our, I believe in our Slack channel, to start talking about not only cliches, but uh, references, movie quotes, catchphrases that we use in our own personal life uh, that might be a little bit unique to us. Um, I know, I think the, the topic that came up the most was Billy Madison. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the movie Billy Madison is like a, the dictionary for my house same there are quotes in there that i just did they just come out of me like when i'm just walking around the house um it, like it's, every it's time a, i open a bottle of shampoo shampoo is better just i think conditioner is better conditioner leaves the hair silky and smooth yeah and it, people argue that shampoo is better because it cleans the hair nah man well yeah and then anytime one of my dogs looks at me i'm like what are you looking at swan you know so well, I, I, I gravitate towards, there's a scene where they're in the, the school hallway and he's standing, there's like a tray of milk cartons and he just points at the milk and says, you want some of this milk? And that's like, it's, I don't know what it is, but that's like, it, it, it lightens me up inside. It, it, it gives me energy. So that's definitely. <laughs> it's a, an extremely well-delivered, very simple line. Like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, so that was my one. And my other one was my parents used to have a, a, a cassette, I Jeff Foxworthy cassette tape. You go on these road oh, trips. Yes. And it's the only thing in the car. And I sometimes I'm folding laundry or doing something like that, and I'll just start reciting it. And I didn't really even like it back then, but it's so ingrained <laughs> into my head that I'll just start doing like Jeff Foxworthy bits. So um, 
I think the Billy Madison is a positive one for me, but the Jeff Foxworthy is more of a, like a burden or a, or a, a curse. So basically any friends quote, uh, is, is something that, um, yeah, will will come to mind from time to time. I mean, I've seen every episode more than a dozen times. Um, so, you know, anything in life happens and, you know, anytime a couch comes out or a conversation about a couch comes out, of course, you know, you're going to roll to the magic couch, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, you know, but going up a stairwell, I mean, you know, the pivot, uh, is, is, is pretty great. Um, but yeah, friends is, is kind of locked in my head, probably in the same way that uh, Jeff Foxworthy is locked in yours, uh, David. It's, it's, it's so fine. It's so firmly ingrained that I can't help, but, uh, but make a friend's reference, uh, anytime something even remotely close happens to it. Yeah. So there's a, there's, I'm convinced that I've never actually had an original thought. Um, and unfortunately we're convinced of that too. Yeah, I know you're fine. (laughs) You've been around me enough. Uh, I'm also convinced that the other members of my family have not had original thoughts. Um, so it's different, right? If I'm with my brother, um, or my mom, um, my dad doesn't get it. Like he just, it's just like, we make a reference to something and we're all cracking up and he's like, I don't understand why that's funny. We're like, you know, dad, it's from that movie that we all laughed at. And he's like, I don't get it. So anyway, um, my dad or my mom, Johnny. I mean, my brother, my, my mom, it's going to be from uh, one of the original big budget comedies, like one of the first ones ever made called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Um, if you've never seen it, it was made in the 60s and it's 60s humor, but it's hilarious. Which and it's is got, why I've never seen it. Oh, it's awesome. It's got huge names How in old it are from you that again? time. 98. Um, it's got Jonathan <laughs> Winters in it. I mean, like Bill Silvers. It's awesome. It's so funny. David and I bonded as soon as he started that we could quote most of Billy Madison. So that was, that was a good moment. That happens a lot. A lot of the things that we say are just one-offs from shows. And I just had a great example and can't remember it. Um, But like skits right now, we're really into making fun of our 10 year olds Fortnite habit. So we'll catch him saying things. (laughs) We just pepper that into conversation um, talking about being sweaty and apparently it doesn't mean you're perspiring. Uh, there's just, we catch on to the stupidest things and I wouldn't say it's even one single show, but we are just always repeating. Like you said, Irvin, I, we don't have original thoughts. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this thought. Uh, And this is my inspirational thought to the sales team on a pretty regular basis. And it's uh, always meant to be ironic, uh, but it is funny when, when people think that I'm being serious. Uh, it is the uh, the gem of a Wayne Gretzky quote, which is, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> and so. you definitely didn't miss that one. So that's... <laughs> hey, there you Nailed go. It. Yeah, Nailed oh, it. The Office, that's another one. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think I learned more about some of my coworkers in that last segment than I have in the going on four years I've worked with them. Uh, still not sure if revealing my ability to recite Jeff Foxworthy from memory was a super great idea. I'm sure they're never going to let me hear the end of that, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, either way, I think we ended up with some pretty valuable takeaways. Uh, and don't forget, should you find yourself thinking of using the word should, uh, you should probably think it over first, but that goes without saying. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, you will definitely enjoy the content that the team has been sharing on our website. That address is madebyspeak.com. 
Uh, there have been some must-read articles posted over the last few weeks uh, with more to follow, so stay tuned to our blog. Always something good going on there. If you have feedback for today's show, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. Uh, so send us a message uh, from myself, our panel of VPs, and the rest of the team at Speak. Thanks once again for getting a little off topic with us. Once again, assemble the ass VPs of Speak. Um, Wait, you're gonna have to stop because yeah. I heard assembled the and then the last three letters of oh, brass. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I've assembled the ass. That works too. Okay. I mean. <laughs>